Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're about to listen to the Sevilla Dossier. The scouting notes Graham passed on to Liverpool's European scout in a conversation before the 2-2 draw between the teams at Anfield in September. This is a preview for the team's second meeting in Group E on Tuesday, November the 21st, and the full episode is free. If you'd like to become one of our growing army of over 650 big interview socios, head to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock hours of bonus shows including big interviews with Robbie Keane, Ledley King, Rafa van der Vaart and Kevin Phillips. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Big Inside View. We have Graham Hunter on the line from Seville. I tell you what, I, I'm looking out of a window on a Scotty sky that can only be described as battleship grey. How's things looking from your end? Tell us a little bit about what you're looking out on at the moment. Well, I don't know the actual name of Roman Abramovich's yacht, but that's the kind of feeling I get when I look out my window. It's... Um, it's Tommy Hutchinson, Coventry Strip, blue in the sky. The buildings are all of white because it's 37 degrees, and that's Celsius, not Fahrenheit. Tell us a little bit about your day quickly. You obviously flew from Barcelona earlier this morning. You're on UEFA duty for Liverpool Sevilla tomorrow night. How does your day look? Your press conference, training tonight? Yeah, you prep the night before. I'm up at six, uh, Vueling flight down, and we landed in Sevilla. It's a really quick journey from the airport down Avenida, Kansas. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Straight down to... This part of uh, Seville, um, which is romantic for me, I've mentioned before that the hotel I'm in is five minutes walk from the Nervion, or Ramon Sanchez Pizuan, if you like, where the stadium is. But it's also four minutes walk from the main railway station, outside which both Graham Runcie and I and about 50 or 60 other Scotland fans slept because we were impoverished and, um, what would you call it, relaxed yes. in 1982 after Scotland-Brazil. So it's a... It's a so nostalgic sight for me, but there'll be none of that sleeping on the pavement tonight uh, because we've uh, got business in hand. The business began with Eduardo Toto Berizzo and his press conference just after lunchtime. Um, very flattering that he gave me a little nod and salute as he came in and sat down. Alongside him was uh, Jesus, the, the press officer of Sevilla, who is a gentleman and a scholar and, and loves school and has been to, I think, every Scottish league ground, or at least every... All the Scottish Football League rounds in all four divisions, as it was when he made that claim to me in 2006, I think. A football nut, um, passionate about Sevilla, almost as passionate about Southampton. And alongside the two of them is Pablo Sarabia, who will definitely start against Liverpool, one of the touchstone footballers uh, for Toto Barizzo. And um, interesting chat with both of them, good proper uh, football discussion in that um, that's the tone that Barito sets. You, you're allowed to ask questions about tactics, about strategy, about individual players' strengths, and therefore, although Sevilla is not a city without um, 
that's screeching search for headlines or polemic. It is nonetheless an atmosphere at Sevilla where the reporters are encouraged to and therefore do ask about football. And um, anybody who's listening into this podcast and doesn't understand what a rarity it is to have football reporters asking about football uh, rather than looking for back pages. That will never catch on. Never catch on that. The practice of football reporting should be more based upon understanding and analysing and reporting the game and its players rather than uh, polemic and finger pointing and uh, invective. Just in terms of that kind of layer of analysis that you know you seek to bring to the work, I guess like training is quite important. I mean, you're very passionate about attending training sessions, and it was a big thing for you when you moved out to Spain. So, uh, are you going to go along to training tonight and try and draw some intelligence from what you see in front of you? I think I do. Listen, I could draw a lot of intelligence and improve my perspective. <laughs> I've never I've never used this phrase before, and, and we didn't rehearse that you were going to ask me this, but I've often just explained to anybody who doesn't know what Martin's referring to, just briefly, I've always said that one of the driving forces to move to Spain and to pursue my journalistic career here was simply that, that in the old days you were allowed to see almost every training session of every club open and you accredited yourself and you went and watched for an hour or 90 minutes or whatever it was. That's changed a little bit. Some clubs still do allow you in. Today, yeah, I'll be going to Liverpool training tonight. Sadly, it's only 15 minutes open. The thing I've never said before, I've never put in context of this that I bang on about my desire in 2002 to see training. It was like, no matter whether you use words well, and then on top of it, you believe that you have an understanding of football, you believe that you read it well, that you um, envisage it well, that you interpret it with some degree of aptitude. The one thing is, you know that you... You'll never prove that until you put it to the test in a culture where you're expected to write about football rather than just descriptively. I knew from a relatively young age that something about the way I phrased things or the adjectives I used attracted people who read them, something. And that's not, you know, trying to blow my own trumpet. It's just a factor that I recognise. And I could have leaned on that and, and said, so long as I can describe the atmosphere or the colour of a football occasion well uh, and or write up an interview, then, you know, it can coast along. And that didn't appeal to me at all. What appealed to me was going to training so that I could, one, build relationships, two, understand a little bit more about the correlation between daily work and what we see on match days. And then three, I tried, tried to test what you see and what you believe you've learned in, in conversation with coaches and players. Sometimes that's gone well, sometimes not, but um, it's definitely advanced the level of trust I have from the football industry over here, at the very least. I think it served me well in Revista. But every time that I go to training, I genuinely think, will I, will I understand what I see? Will, I, will, I, will it improve me in any way? Am I quick enough? And, you know, I go not, not, not in order to be able to mention that I've been at training or, or in, in, in some sort of belief that will make me superior to others. You're always testing yourself. If a week is a long time in football at a club or with a national team, then why not take advantage of and, and try and understand uh, body language, watch rondos? And very rarely do we get to watch strategy. But sometimes we do. And the more often that I do, the, the more comfortable I feel about describing things l- later. I want to take you back to a conversation you had with Liverpool's European scout before the first game between the clubs in September, where I guess it was more of an informal conversation, but you gave him a kind of technical, tactical debrief of how you saw Sevilla. So we, we thought that would obviously make for 
a great podcast. And can you kind of take us back to that conversation, how you saw that Sevilla team and the challenge that Liverpool faced in that first game and will face again tomorrow night? Yeah, um, I, I I like uh, Michael Compton and enjoy speaking with him. And it was just a coincidence that we were able to sit down and talk. And he is very assiduous, very, very far travelled. He's one of those advanced scouts who tries to look at patterns, tries to look at strategy, tries to look at individual players' strengths and weaknesses in, in the opposition. He knew me, so it was positive to down, sit down and share ideas. When we spoke, you know, I had no incorrect assumptions that I was helping split the atom for him. But I think that one of the things I like is the scouts that I meet from the UK have open minds because it's I compare it to myself when I go abroad and I meet somebody who I think is in a position of teaching me something later you can discard it if you want but you process it you listen you ask the right questions I was picked up today just that tendency I asked a few questions in the press conference today and Sevilla's own radio station the club said will you come and talk to us and the way they introduced me so you're always asking about tactics you're always asking about strategy and we want to know why and blah 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 so when we were what I liked about um, chatting to this um, Liverpool sort of analytical scout was that he had an open mind irrespective of what he'd seen already he had a very open mind about what else he might be able to suck up in terms of um, details I said at the time that my biggest uh, fear about Sevilla was that they were athletically slow across the pitch not, not every player there's tremendous pace obviously in Jesus Navas in his in his way there's very good pace in uh, Joaquin Correa who I think the Argentinian winger is going to be a, if not a superstar then an absolute top quality footballer who if his form continues to grow in the way that I've seen over the last year 18 months then he will he will be able to play for any club Anywhere, um, he's superb. Still growing, still still learning, but he's exceptional. Like I'm making the, the point too extended. Escudero is quick, but as a team, when they lose the ball, Sevilla, particularly in the midfield at that time, and this is the big change since that first conversation, and 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 Liverpool would have seen this at Anfield when there was a midfield three of Steven Zonzi, who, you know, I think the world of, I guess we've mentioned this in the Big Inside View before, I've chatted to him a lot down here, and I've chatted to players who, who were with him at Stoke and Blackburn, and I see an enormous change in his confidence. I see him blossoming in La Liga in an identical way to a guy he resembles in Freddie Canuti. He resembles him in height and stature, but Canuti told me when he was at Sevilla that the biggest thing he loved about Spain was that the La Liga allowed you to use your intelligence to prove your quality, whether it was your teammates or the media or the fans, they appreciated quality of play, intelligence of play and end results. Whereas in Canute's view, when he was playing in London, you know, Spurs and West Ham, you, you proved your worth initially by sweating right through the jersey. And that irrespective of the scenario, you, you chased the football like an enthusiastic puppy would chase a tennis ball. That wasn't for Canute, and, and there's no coincidence that you know the trophies he won, kind of for Sevilla, you know would would you know would fill a cabinet. Whereas you know he was he was regarded as a shirker in London. It's crazy now. Look at it. And Nzonzi was thought of as a player who 
perhaps was a little bit lethargic, a little bit slow, and I've heard phrases like, you know, difficult attitude. And here, he's the boss. And the concept of pausa, where you introduce intelligence and control to a moment of play that says, is it accelerate or is it decelerate? Is it wait for positional change around you? Or is it open the other team up because you've got a gap and a player that you know can take advantage of your pass? That's and but he's so called um, Zonzi is his uh, regulator, his his controller of play today when we were talking. And that aside, he needs to have all those things, Martin. He needs to control the play because if the ball gets past him, he'll he'll work, he'll run with you, but he, he's not lightning fast and then when beside him in those days you're going back to the beginning they were playing three in midfield and three up front and the three in midfield were Nzonzi, Pizarro and Banega and Banega has never been quick fabulous passer a sort of Juan Roman Riquelme player maybe not as good but with the passing range with the prompting with the vision um, a real orchestrator of quality creative play, but not the same level of control as Nzonzi. Much less fearful of losing the ball, Banega. And then you have the worker, uh, Pizarro, who's Argentinian, who's beginning to break into some of the plans of Sampaoli at the international side, came from Mexican football, and he is not simply a destroyer, but he is you know, big and tall and lean and strong and will win the ball and, and in certain circumstances can help you asphyxiate a midfield game. But when you put those three together in a 4-3-3, teams could run past them. That, that's as simple as that. And if they were caught out of position, then it was hell on earth. And when um, when I was talking to the Liverpool analyst, what I said was the combination of those players plus Eduardo Barito's absolute commitment to, to attack. I mean, anybody who wants to get a, just a mind flash of what I'm talking about is go to the game where Celta Vigo played at Old Trafford in the semi-final of the Europa League last season, having been comprehensively outplayed by Mourinho's team at the Balaidos in the first leg and beaten, they took a proposition of football which was so open, so attacking, so daring uh, to Old Trafford that I think to some extent it resembled, with a little bit less force and quality, the athletic Bilbao side that put Fergie's team out of Europe so thrillingly under Bielsa. And... That's Eduardo Barisso's idea, is to be front foot, controlling the ball, but controlling the ball in an offensive way, getting at teams. And when you do that, they will inevitably, particularly in the early months of, a, of a, an idea, of a philosophy, you lose the ball. There will be lack of understanding, that you know, people will try a clever pass, it'll be given away. And at that point, when that three midfield was being run at problems, but in Liverpool, at Anfield, Having gone 1-0 up, what was, I think, a snapshot of everything that I'm trying to say is that Pizarro went off. The Argentinian organiser, giving strength in that midfield, went off. And Nzonzi looked as if he was being left on his own in midfield, isolated. And at a time when Liverpool were charging at Sevilla, um, it, it kind of looked as if, you know, the, Sevilla could be flooded. And instead, what happened was this, and anybody who was at the game will, will recall this, whichever team they were supporting, was just this sort of block by block in Zonzi built calm, built passing, built rhythm, brought other players into the game. And I knew that he preferred playing on his own. He told me so in an interview last year that the, the, the more space he's got, 
in order to give order to the play, the happier he is. The more in which he feels that there are players, his own players, to the right and left of him, the less room for manoeuvre he thinks he's got. Because he's a guy, and listen, it's not visual, it's, it's audio, but I'm moving as he does, looking left, right, forward, swivelling, setting up again, moving, giving it, taking it back, opening up an angle. It's beautiful to watch. And I'm not calling him world elite, but he's very, very good. And I'll summarise on him by saying that last December when I was at the Champions League draw, Monchi told me, Juventus have told us that they're coming in to buy his buyout clause, which is 30 million. They didn't in the end. Uh, they picked up Matuidi from Paris Saint-Germain and fair play to them. So the change didn't come immediately once Nzonzi bossed that game at Anfield once Pizarro was off. But as the weeks went by, one of the really big things was Berizzo, the coach. Martin, do you consider a strength or a weakness when a coach will go and ask his players about how they want to play? I think it's a strength. I think it's a probably a very small minority that have the, the confidence to do that. Yeah. It probably takes a yeah. certain type. That's the phrase that I think, and I imagined you'd say, that some of the, so the traditionalists would say that to ask to give the player the power of an opinion was to undermine your own position. Whereas the elite coaches will have the plan in their head, will have the confidence to go through with it, but will stuff as much information into their head as possible. And all, all I would point out is that Berizzo, who'd, who'd been a you know hard, uh, aerially able centre-half, um, in his time in Spanish, French, Argentinian football, he he took time to listen um, to Nzonzi, change the shape from four three three to four two three one, and and maybe people think that that is um, you know a tiny difference. Maybe people don't don't see the relevance, but it gives Nzonzi, and usually next to Pizarro, the room to say to Pizarro. You know, you're you're tidying up. You're at the breakdown of the ball, but then give it to me. And then it's it's not quite quarterback because he'll he'll pass it short, medium and long, short, medium and long, and repeat until until he carves the game open. And therefore, the new shape is very important to Nzonzi. And what it does is it tests Banega, who goes in the middle of the three behind the striker, and Banega wants to be the guy lying deep, picking up off the centre-half's toes and spraying long passes. So getting that equilibrium now, compared to the team that Mike saw in the early part of the group, to the one that's emerging now, structure-wise, Sevilla are a little bit less prone to being ripped apart by pace as they were in Moscow. Anybody who watched Spartak at 1-1 with Ben Yedder, the, the striker that that they signed, who looks, you know, he's the, he's the shape of Romario, but... You know, not just barrel-chested, slightly barrel-tummied, um, small, you know, a fine finisher, but not the world's most sublime athlete. He has a one-on-one in Moscow for 2-1, which should have been buried. It doesn't go in, at which point Sevilla dropped their guard and, and Spartak Moscow ripped them apart through counter-attacks again and again and again and again for a 5-1 humiliation. And there you see the difference between Anfield, where Liverpool looked like they were going to absolutely flood Sevilla with goals and didn't, to Moscow, where Sevilla missed chances, Nzonzi wasn't fit, wasn't playing, and every time they went up the pitch, 
the Russian team scored. Now we're at a compromise position whereby it's still the case that the the players who are not athletically fantastic, Pizarro and Sonzi and uh, Banega, are in the team, but they're in a better uh, shape in order to deny their weaknesses and expose their strengths. And that's what's changed for Liverpool uh, uh, in the meantime, albeit that I would accept that Klopp's team has improved, is quicker. Salah's integration, not just as a finisher, but his partnership with Firmino, I think, is... People keep talking about Salah and records and pace. That's fine. But you know that when you get a player like that who loves playing next to his strike partner and who's got an intuitive understanding with them that they're working on and improving every week, that's the thing that really attracts my Liverpool. And I think that, you know, Sevilla are in danger. That's the answer to to your question about the chats I've had with Liverpool's representative about this team. It's evolving but it still has more of an Achilles heel than you would want receiving this uh, Jurgen Klopp side. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I mean, it seems like that one tactical change from the 4-3-3 to the 4-2-3-1 will make for a completely different type of game tomorrow night. I mean, the flow of the, the first game was bonkers. I mean, for, for an hour, Sevilla weren't in the game at all, and then finally they managed to wrest control of it. But it sounds like they're going to be better set up tomorrow night, whatever happens, and we can expect to see a, a different flow to the game. I think that's definitely a point I'm trying to get across. I do believe in that. And Barisa sat here today saying again and again, give me intelligence, give me precision, give me equilibrium. He said, I want to press them high. I want to make them uncomfortable. We're playing to win, not to draw, because a draw would not be in any way disastrous for Sevilla, who faced Maribor away in the last game whereas Spartak and Liverpool must play each other. Now, Barisal means that. That isn't mouth music. But irrespective of the fact that he keeps um, insisting that it's going to be about uh, not giving the ball away, about using the ball with intelligence, using Lonsi as the regulator of the play, the hard fact is that at the back, um, Parejo and Carrizo, um, an Argentinian and a Portuguese Probably would be starting. Um, they're long term. Um, the two centre backs that you would that have the biggest experience and are the most um, 
reliable in hand-to-hand combat when it comes to playing elite sides are out and, and won't, won't feature. Simon Kiar is, is the Dane who helped put Ireland out of the playoffs and has had a really difficult settling in process here. Well, he's carrying back pain and therefore Lenglet is the, the French central defender who looks elegant, who scored a crucial goal against Spartak um, a couple of weeks ago here and has a composure and elegance at his age, which suggests that he's a high-quality European player, particularly given uh, one of the ideas that he was he was brought to play at, at full-back. Then you've got uh, Geis, uh, Johannes Geis, the German, who, who, who just couldn't get a sniff of a game. In theory, he is an organising or semi-attacking midfielder and he's playing at centre-back or has been did it at the camp now when Kjart came off and did it at the weekend against um, Celta Vigo when Celta really Martin could have scored 3 or 4 instead of losing 2-1 and therefore you've summarised exactly what I think that the structure of Sevilla is better that it suits their key footballer if they're going to be precise and they're going to be um, balanced and that's in Zonzi but behind him that, that idea that, that the fullbacks will be Mercado, an Argentinian who's an automatic pick in the team that Messi will take to, to Russia. Mercado can play centre-back or can play right-back, and therefore the idea of Mercado playing at centre-half is not out of this world, uh, given that there are uh, Corsia, the, the Frenchman, can play at right-back. So that's a possibility. But it'll be, I think, Mercado at right-back and Escudero, who's a special footballer at left-back, pushing into midfield, to, as, as wing-backs to get up and down, not to help Nzonzi, but to be up and down. And Nzonzi dropping or Pizarro dropping as a, to be the third man in front of the two centre-halves. And at, at that point, if 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 that high-risk strategy is unpicked by them not doing what um, the Argentinian coaches asked them to and losing the ball or giving the ball or, or doing what you said, he said, no quiero una locura, I don't want the game to be madness. And that kind of sums up what you were describing that Anfield hour. Um, when Sevilla went ahead but really were being pummeled by the time they got back in the game he doesn't want that but he might get that because at the back right now Sevilla are not right and and it's for a combination of circumstances but um, they have problems and that's why I think it's legitimate if Liverpool fans are listening to this I think that while you know what is I think Sevilla are unbeaten at their Nervion for a year and that for that reason, it's it's just absurd to say that it's a you know it's a it's a gimme three points for Liverpool. I think they go into this game as favourites, and certainly unless Sevilla are excellent, there is a there's a gaping opportunity for Liverpool playing the way they are right now uh, with their midfield functioning and their strikers taking the pressure off the fact that you know defensively they can be irregular. I, I think that. Liverpool come into this with slightly superior form, slightly superior footballers in key positions, and therefore they're slight favourites, Martin. I have to say that Barizzo added to the madness himself by like two great moments of comedy <laughs> where he, he threw the ball away like a petulant school kid twice and then seemed no, stunned. No, 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 what? no. <laughs> and then seemed stunned that he was sent to the stand. <laughs> He's been really funny about it because he did it the first time just out of peak because the, he felt that the, the I think it was an incident on the pitch whereby 
He's like, why didn't you stop? And therefore, if you come to me for the ball and chuck it away. And he got a warning for the referee, from the referee. Now, in his, I really, really admire this guy. I like talking football to him. I think he's going to be, I may have proven already, but he needs to get trophies. I think he's going to prove to be a very high-level coach. You know, I'd, I'd welcome him at any, any club that I was watching regularly. His football ideas, his manner, his willingness to talk football, his confidence, all of, all of that total thumbs up but I'm not being defensive I'm simply explaining what he said himself then <laughs> and today with good humour about that he said that the second time he throws the ball away it's to disadvantage his team because he recognises the previous time he was completely <laughs> in the wrong so that was our point when Sevilla were chasing I think a, a winner or at least a second goal and he felt that at that stage he would <laughs> it's a ludicrous idea but he says at that stage it was my team that wanted the ball that quickly. And all I was doing was trying to show that I was in the wrong before, but I could do it both ways, which is kind of like, I, I never mind the rules. We'll just do it my way and we'll get equilibrium. We'll get justice my way. Well, the referee didn't like that. Old Kloppo didn't like it. And as you say, he was sent off. But it was raised again today in the press conference. And somebody said, listen, Paul, you and, you, you and Klopp, you know, did, did, did you get a chance to sort of make your peace at the time? And will you do so? I guess it's no need to make a peace. Klopp was fine. He said Klopp was fine to me during the game when I was sent off. He said it was totally my fault for doing the wrong thing. And he said we had a really good cordial chat afterwards. What other manager uses the word cordial? <laughs> I love that, man. He's the regulator of my play. And we had a cordial chat. I flip and love that, man. But it's all, listen, I think he had a reputation of being a pretty wild, pretty fierce, occasionally temperamental centre-half. But um, in this instance, he reckons he was just applying a little bit of twisted uh, Argentinian logic. Right, OK. Well, give him the benefit of the doubt this time. Well, he, he also <laughs> said, listen, it was all my fault. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed Neil was asking you to call the Madrid derby on Friday. I think you called the result of not the scoreline, which is pretty good. But why don't we have another run at it? How do you see it panning out tomorrow night? Yeah, I, 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 well, <sighs> listeners, socios. Martin Gregg, do we believe in this idea of the 12th man or not? I think some people do. And I think having talked at such length about the Calderon on Friday with Neil, it'd be stupid to dismiss it as an idea. One of the things that I take into account, um, having been at some extraordinary atmospheres where as you try to soak it up, you, you think to yourself, this must be influencing events a little bit. Over my career, whenever I've asked players who are willing to speak and are willing to take a concept and not just give you a stop robotic answer back. Aye, the fans are great, that'll help us. Or, no, I never hear the fans, I'm too concentrated. Sometimes players that I trust will say, look, certain fan bases in certain stadia, at a moment where there are our fans and I'm flagging, or there are fans and we need something heroic, or they're the away fans and we know we're in bad form and they're on us. I think at that stage, that 12th man, it, it can be a, a vitamin boost or it can be like, you know, your laces tied together a little bit. And Sarabia, who, you know, is probably, I, I don't know if you can even think of his playing style, Martin, or who he is or where he comes from. And it, I wonder if that's the same for a lot of socios because he is not high profile. But Sarabia is a footballer who under Sampaoli had very little protagonism. I don't think that Sampaoli saw his attributes as being all that important, although it grew a little bit towards the end of last season. 
under Barisa, this guy is now knocking on the door of the Spain squad, which is you know an extraordinary feat given how many good players are already queuing to get in to the 23. And Barisa Sarabia, not only is he an excellent footballer, he's at the top of his game, he has the capacity to make others around him play better. And I asked him today, like, what... What, what does that mean? What, when he says that about you, can, can you explain either what you realise that you do or what you think he's talking about? And he was really good, Sarabia. He went straight to the point. He went, look, let's take pressing. So pressing is a unified effort. Because this coach wants us to press high, it's obligatory that the wingers, the outright wingers and the striker and the 10 go after the opposition defence, if they've picked the ball up and they're trying to play it out. And if they've recuperated the ball high up the pitch for us, they've won it in a tackle or from a goal kick, we still have to press high. My job is to play it to my very best, to play with intensity, but to, to be contagious. And another phrase I love there, contagious. He said, for strikers to press in the right way, they have to be convinced that is not beautiful. And he said that conviction comes from knowing that the guys behind them, i.e. me and those around, will be doing the right things in the right area of the pitch every single time. And he said it's my job to make sure that one, those who press know that we're exactly where we need to be to squeeze and help them make sure that if the guy just gets past them or is nearly away from them, we're there to clip things up. Or that I will show those around me, if they're not where they should be, I'll bring them up. Now, I thought that was a really good, intelligent, quick example of what an underrated player who's got football intelligence can do and how he can describe his own art. But he also said, look, I've been at the Nervion here many times as an opposition player, principally for Hitafi. And he said, you notice it. You notice the pressure this, this crowd puts you under. And he said, now that I'm a Sevilla player, you know, I feel <laughs> we, we go, we float on their wings sometimes. So, coming to Ramos Sanchez Pizjuan against a Sevilla side, which is full of gifted ball players, means that when you ask me for an analysis of what the result will be or why, you have to count that it's possible for Sevilla to have a special night and to to take advantage of the fact that um, Klopp is a very attacking, sometimes reckless attitude, that the central defenders at Liverpool are, are, are not elite and not close and not confident at the moment. And that Mignolet, albeit that he can have a night where you think nothing's going past him, he can also have nights where you think, yeah, he's going to drop something or he's going to dive over something, which is unfortunate, but I think it's accurate. So the, the idea of Sevilla winning... And qualifying for the next round is what Barizzo called the primary objective of this part of the season, is not outlandish. Um, I think that they should be very happy if they get a score draw because it leaves it back in their hands with the easiest away game of the group left for them. And then, frankly, I've already said, and I meant that if, if Liverpool show the cohesion and the accuracy and power and pace that they showed in the first game against Sevilla and that I witnessed um, against Southampton at the weekend, then what they do well 
unfortunately jigsaws right into what Sevilla don't right now do particularly well. So I have Liverpool as, as minor favourites to win, but I think it's you know it's far from outlandish that this should be could be an exciting score draw, and that the Nervion just gives Sevilla's slightly less athletic players a little bit more oomph and a little bit more concentration. And the group is still entirely alive amongst the top three um, by the time match day six comes along. I tell you what, Martin, it'll be passionate. This this stadium rocks to the anthem like very few stadiums in Europe do. And the fact that there will be travelling Liverpool fans, given that you'll never walk alone, means that this is going to be one of your most vivid and, and colourful and passionate European nights of the first half of the season. And, you know, I, maybe you can tell from my tone or from previous broadcasts. I can't wait. I can't wait. Graham, I'm reliably informed that Big Kloppo is currently waiting on you to start his press conference. <laughs> so I think it's time you got on your bike. We'll speak to you later on in the week. That's your time. I have a horrible feeling that you probably will, yes. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed that free episode. Sign up now to become a Big Interview socio and unlock four exclusive Big Interviews and coming on December the 1st, Graham's chat with Jermaine Defoe. Patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.